Hi, everybody. We're here at C2 Montreal live um, inside the aquarium with Tim Kring. You almost need no introduction. If, if no one ever heard your name and knew who you were, how would you describe what a Tim Kring is? Uh, I am a storyteller, first and foremost, um, uh, but also trying to, on a journey to, to try and figure out how to stay connected to an ever-changing audience. Yes. I think that's the journey that I'm on. How, 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 how are you doing with that so far? <laughs> you know, I had to tell you, it's an, it is such a changing landscape. Like, you know, uh, just seems like uh, every time you set foot on one platform, the platform starts to move. And is that, is that exciting or is it daunting? Cause that, or is it a little bit of both? Cause you kind of, I, I did, I just, I just decided it was exciting. I think it's just, uh, I mean, I just decided, uh, not to be daunted by it. Right. Right. You know, because therein kind of lies madness and anxiety and all, all of that. So the, the amazing thing about, you know, the journey that I've had because I've started in such a traditional medium right and and had a long career in that um was that uh, you know somebody really moved the 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 floor really moved out from underneath yeah 100%. and then uh, you know a lot of us were faced with well how do we deal with that and do we embrace it or do we stand on the sidelines and heckle <laughs> heckle everybody um and i just decided to jump in and try to explore what this relationship with the audience and you're was. one of the few like you're one of the few i mean when you take heroes or any of the number of other projects you've worked on from this transmedia like you're yeah. one of the few that were like you know what Let, let's see how we can tell stories across platforms and experiences yeah um kind of walk us through like what where that decision even came from and how you started to manifest it and how it came together yeah you know in some ways it's it's been a sort of, um, you know, kind of forest Gumpian kind of uh, journey. Run, Tim, run! <laughs> because it, a lot of it is not uh, by design. Um, we suddenly, well, let me just give you the quick, the quick version was that uh, I had a traditional show on the air uh, in the mid uh, 2000s called Crossing Jordan. And along with everybody else in television, we started to see the ratings dropping and right. the audience leaving and going to wherever it was that they were going. And suddenly I had this uh, idea for a new show, um, Heroes. And with that show, um, there was a real desire and a mandate to just try and reach the audience where they were right. for the first time and not have it so centered around just a television show. So I went into it with the idea of, well, how can I create a bigger footprint so that this show can reach people where they actually were, where we could fish where the fish are. Right. And there's a, there's a thin line between marketing and storytelling. Right. Like, how are we just building awareness? How are we keeping people engaged? Yeah. And like, there's a thin line between the two. And there's business yeah. conversations that need to happen when you go and talk to the heads of NBC or whatever other network. Right. And how are you, how, like, <laughs> what's your power of persuasion? And like, well, hey, spend money on this, even though it's not the core content on the screen. You know, that's a conversation that has to be had now with every show, right? Um, but the truth is, Heroes was a unique situation because the mandate was there from the from the network because they were panicked. It was they were seeing these ratings going, you know, right. sideways and or downwards and trying desperately to figure out where this audience was going. And so 
the story that I always tell is that the, when Heroes got picked up to series was May, you know, at the upfronts, sure. right? Right. And um, there were seven people in the dot-com division at NBC when the show was picked up. In September, when we went on the air, four months later, there were 67 people. They hired 60 wow. people in four months. And basically, they had the mandate to get out there and figure this out. So it's important, though. It's like, it's, you know, in the spirit of collaboration, building ecosystems, it's finding like-minded partners. Because yeah. a lot of people, you know, in your position or have the desire to tell stories the way you tell them are fighting uphill battles, Yeah. right? This was a rare situation where the mandate was there and at that mandate met with a show that actually was perfectly designed it, because it had a deep canon, it had a deep mythology, it had a sort of a geeky tech savvy sure. audience. Um, and we had some ideas. And so uh, the idea was, well, we have this huge mythology and this very deep canon. Let's sort of use every piece of the buffalo. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll tell story over here and we'll tell story over here and we'll tell story here, over here. And we'll take it all pretty seriously. It's not just an afterthought. Sure. Like if you're a deep fan of the show, you actually were really encouraged to go find this content because it revealed these tiny little Easter right. eggs for you. Well, I think even in that regard, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're an entrepreneur and you work for a company, I think every product needs to be thought of or every brand needs to be thought of as an ecosystem, right? And not just a product and a transaction, which even in the entertainment side, yeah. that's what it is. It's yeah. like, this is our show, please watch it. Yeah. Versus, hey, this is our brand, this is what we stand for, this is what the audience cares about as well. Yeah. But it's a pretty lofty task to do all that thinking. Like, how do you even it, filter and begin to approach the macro? No, it re I mean, it is amazing. It's enough to just do the television show, right? That's that takes right. everything. <laughs> and that's um, there's an engine room uh, that becomes on, a, on uh, just from my own experience. The engine room was the writer's room and it's this creative engine room. And then on a show like Heroes, it was a big there were, there were 11 of us, you know, and um, so everything that we did, even though we had this whole kind of um, ancillary transmedia kind of department that was working on the show, everything had to funnel through the, the engine room right. of the writer's room so that there was always authenticity and there was always an, an actual... I see. An actual... Need. We, we told story literally... Um, on the back of merchandise boxes that we'd sell, you know, <laughs> Hiro Nakamura's sword, you know, right. had a had a little story on the back of the box. It was actually a key piece of of the of the canon of the show that you could only find there. And so, you know, it just but but where it got super interesting, and I think where this conversation probably should go, because I think it's more about this. Let's take it there. It is that the answer to your question is it's daunt it's daunting beyond belief to try to keep this content going. The the internet uh, fan base kind of content gets consumed rapidly. Sure. And so what we realized pretty quickly was that this was going to kill us, right? We didn't have the bandwidth for this. So the the secret became opening up the narrative to the audience, right? Let's right. here's our Here's our world. Welcome to it, kind of thing. And by opening up the narrative to the to the audience, the audience actually came in. They rushed in. They created their own content, fan fiction, mashups of 
yes. stuff, uh, music videos. They've created a bunch of little fan sites that were super specific to certain characters. And it was in allowing them to become a part of that narrative that yep. I think a lot of the growth as a storyteller took place on my part where I started to realize this is a super dynamic way to tell story. I think, I think it set a precedent for multiple industries. I think that's when brands started to like even give up a little bit of IP and like, hey, you want to 3D print, design your own yeah. container or character, um, which you would have never done that prior to, yeah. you know, to what, what you uh, accomplished. Yeah, I think the brands all, you know, across the board are all, have all really learned that the most potent brands are the ones in which people feel they have some real ownership in. Yeah, that's great. And then, so fast forward a little bit, right? You know, um, it's, st things started turning into alternate reality games. Right. Um, you know, you started to experiment with that and like even did uh, the one for good. Yes, Conspiracy for Good. Yes, Conspiracy for Good. I knew it. Yeah. Um, but kind of walk us how you applied those principles to cause or, you know, right. oriented Well, you know, the, the, <clears throat> the underlying message of of he heroes <clears throat> was one of interconnectivity and there was a lot of save the world talk you know yes. and and people really connected to that and when i saw how connected the fan base was to this underlying cause idea of like doing something positive in the world there was a there was a sort of a light bulb moment for me at, at comic-con uh when we brought the cast there and we walked out into you know right. hall h which is this big, I don't know, 7,000, 8,000 people, you know, screaming fans, right? And I looked out and saw that in the first couple of rows, there were literally dozens of people dressed in costumes right. from the characters that I created on this show. And that realization that these people had come from miles around and spent their hard-earned money to get here, made these handmade costumes, uh, stood in line for hours. The light bulb that went off for me was th these people actually want to have a sense of personal expression around the narrative that they love. Right. So what if you could actually take this idea of, the, of a fan base, allow them to become a part of a narrative, and then have that roll out into the real world and have some positive results and that's where the project conspiracy for good came from what do you think what do you think acknowledging an audience to the degree by which you have you know gives them because it's as to, at some point it becomes a personal re relationship it's not just like oh a fan like i like superman but there's some you know eventually eventually there's something i see in myself yeah. in superman like what 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 do you think your that magic sauce is between you or no i or agree i think uh, you know fans um that are deeply connected to a brand, they don't sense that they see something in the narrative that connects to them. They see that the, they see that the narrative actually connects to that. You know what I mean? It's right, not the other. Right, it's not right. the other way. And and I, I think there is a sense of of um, you know, first of all, we all have this switch in us that um, that can suddenly become a character in a narrative. We all right. play, can role play, you, you know, all you have to do is play hide and seek and you become a, a kind of a different character, you know? Um, and so by activating that switch and giving people an, an, an empowered way to go out into the world and, 
and interact with each other. Yeah. You know, the conspiracy for good had at its core, it was, the idea was that it was a secret society, an ancient secret society for good, and you could be tapped on the shoulder and become a part of it. And so just that alone as a light narrative was enough for people to get excited about. Who doesn't love secret societies and <laughs> exactly. secret handshakes and all that kind of stuff? I'm not, I'm, I haven't <laughs> been invited into any, so, yeah, exactly. so I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, you know, again, when you think about personalizing, right, there's this personal brand story that we all need to tell to some degree. And some of us, you know, yeah. hold back. But, you know, same thing. Instagram, LinkedIn, yeah. Twitter, coming to events like this, you're showcasing who you are as a brand. That's right. You want to invite people into your story. Like, how, how have you translated this in just to just more like personal growth or have you have you even thought about that yeah no and i mean the the thing that i'm actually launching now um i, I i've got this startup that i'm doing that's based <laughs> on a lot of the learning of the audience that that um that came out of the conspiracy for good and out of the the learning about how audiences want personal a sense of personal expression about sure. the things they care about um, and so I know it's, it seems like a, 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 a kind of a strange thread to go from traditional storytelling to what I'm about to tell you, but there is actually a through line here. And that is that we've come up with, a, um, with a, an app called ChangeUp that allows you to um, use your mobile phone. Right. Um, as a kind of lightsaber out in the world, uh, cool. <laughs> because what you do, is I'm in, you can I get invited to the secret <laughs> society? Yes. <laughs> you, you, um, you, it rounds up your purchases, all your purchases to the nearest dollar that 18 cents that you have left over from your vente latte in the morning. Yes. How'd you know? That goes into the, <laughs> that goes into the, um, into an account that adds up uh over all your transactions and then you can with that money um browse all of these causes uh all of these uh, these charities you can challenge your friends to join your causes you can jump on board with your your friends you can you can you can post things through twitter that then so right. it's a social way it's a fintech solution for social giving that in harnesses this idea of personal expression people can create their own portfolios that you can now jump into and and um it's just a way to be out in the world uh making a difference that's great um so despite all your hard work right you know args and transmedia storytelling haven't really reached a critical mass right, I, right. It's, it's hard for people to figure out but i wanted to congratulate you i guess it's a late congratulations but the uh producers guilds transmedia producer credits you know right, part, right. Of, part of part of your work um and you're, you're the guy that won't go away right yeah, you're the guy that's, yeah. i'm gonna keep coming with keep another coming one <laughs> uh, until you guys understand what, what i mean what's the why why do I you mean, keep going I, there I, well i actually think that the the sort of dis you know the disintermediate the fractured nature of all of this content out in the world right now means that you know there's a democratization of content people can can create their own content and, and all that but i i do feel like there is a <clears throat> i think we're we're skating towards a puck that's actually going to happen right and i think ar and vr are going to be a big part of that i think the idea that the world can be uh experienced in a kind of locative way sure. with these devices that we all have in our pockets and these devices are you know they're not just um 
content consuming devices, they're content creation devices. Sure, so there's, that, uh, there's well. this two way street. And so I, I just think, you know, yes, I think I was, maybe we were a little ahead of our time. You know, the, the Conspiracy for Good was done, you know, six years ago or something. Sure. And it was very early AR that we were doing. Um, I think in a year or two from now, that kind of experience could be just, you know, obviously. Po and you'll be here. Yes, you'll, yeah. you'll be here with the, with the next I, one. I think Pokemon Go blew that open yes, a little bit. Yes, very much so. And, and sort of taught people that there could be a light narrative that could be ge geolocative in your world. And um, so I think, we're, I think we're heading towards, you know, a very interesting time. That's when, great. I have one last question. Yeah. Um, You've obviously been an architect of ecosystems. Um, I would like for you to define the word ecosystem from the Tim Kring perspective. <clears throat> well, I, I mean, again, when you develop a, uh, if you're fortunate enough to land on an idea that has um, a deep mythology and a deep canon, sure. you actually want it to be really deep and arcane and have all sorts of layers to uncover. Um, multiple layers. Uh, um, then, you know, I sort of define the ecosystem. I, I think I actually gave it up earlier, but as utilizing every piece of the buffalo, you, you actually right. you actually think about it as a um, you, you think about the story as a, in a, in a, as a whole, and you you make sure that all, any ancillary way that you are telling story uh, is not a second class or third class version of it. It's just another place to. It's another way to, to push story awesome. out there. And, and that that story, I think a, a lot of times people make the mistake of thinking, oh, well, I'll just push uh, the same, you know, we'll just push the same content onto a little three-inch Sure, screen. exactly. No, the, it's a big mistake. The, uh, the beauty of that device in your hand is that it knows where your friends are and it, and it, and it has you know, your contact list and it access to your email and all. So use it for all of the attributes that it has and do something clever with that device. Don't just well, push, push content to it. Well, thank you for joining us. We have, now we, you made me hungry. I want to go get some buffalo. Yeah, exactly. I want to eat, I want to eat all of the uh, buffalo before I get out of here. Tail. Um, but thank you. Where can people find you? Uh, do you? Do you social media a lot? Um, or oh, I, you know, at, you at Tim Kring on Twitter will get to me. But I, I'm, I'm right now, I, I'm not doing a lot of social media. All right. Yeah. No, tra no personal <laughs> transmedia for you. Uh, everyone, thank you. This has been Tim Kring.